Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Queen Elizabeth tests positive for COVID-19 as Prince Charles's charity is being investigated by the police. The royal family has just faced so much scandal in the last what, year, two years, mm-hmm. that it's just not a good look. Plus, Prince Harry doesn't feel safe returning to the UK with his family, and Prince William makes good on a promise to a young boy. Oh, it was so sweet. It really shows you how impactful, you know, how much of a difference they can make in the lives of the people that they meet. And royal expert and author Christopher Anderson tells us how the Queen's COVID battle could affect the royal family. Temporarily, uh, people like like Charles and, and Edward and Anne can step in uh, to, and William, okay, to take uh, over some of the, the duties. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina. That's Christine. Welcome to another week of big royal news. Yeah, this was a this we say this every week, but <laughs> no, this time it really was lots of big stories coming out, lots of developments on the stories that we've been following. So there is so much to discuss, so much to get to. But let's uh, check in with our royal viewers and see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Kicking it off with the Natser says, "I love how Kate." practices what she preaches in that she waited until her youngest was in school before taking on a much busier role within the royal family. The first five years are so very important in child development. She did what was best for her children, despite the constant criticism of lazy Katie. No, I mean, she does practice what she preaches. This is a a big initiative of hers is early child development. And she has talked um, at length about how important those first five years are in a child's life. Yeah, it's interesting. We heard a lot of um, speculation over the years in between, you know, when George was born and now that she's really ramping up her work as to why we hadn't seen her, why she wasn't doing this. And there was a lot of criticism, but a lot of people speculated that it was because she was so committed to her children. And now it turns out that that's exactly what was happening. And she really was sort of, you know, practicing what she preaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's a a good mom. She was able, and you know, she was able to, she she was able to have the luxury of being able to be home and be with those kids and, you know, really, you know, uh, devote a lot of time because, you know, there's so many moms that are working and trying to do both and trying to do a million different things. So she was able to have that luxury, which is nice for her. 
Definitely. Definitely. All right. All right. Moving on to Wanda says it was wonderful to see Prince Harry and Eugenie at the Super Bowl game and he got to hold the Super Bowl trophy with all the scandals surrounding her father. I was happy that Eugenie had the opportunity to spend quality time with her cousin and focus on a great American sport. Yeah, you tend to forget about that. She is um, obviously dealing with the aftermath of what her father, Prince Andrew, um, that whole, you know, case and everything like that. So it was probably nice for her to kind of get out of London for a little bit and focus on something else. Definitely. It was probably nice to clear her head, get be around people who are really supportive of her, mm-hmm. but just kind of to get out of, you know, the the UK where that was the biggest story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then Joe Neal kind of piggybacking off of that says he settled to spare the queen talking about Prince Andrew settling uh, the case, uh, his involvement in the Jeffrey Epstein case. So we don't know for if that for a fact, um, but it, that could have been a factor. Who knows? Yeah, I've heard a lot of people speculating that this was just kind of to get it done and over with before mm-hmm. the Jubilee so that it wasn't dragged out. Um, it's purely speculation at this point. Yeah. I think really only Andrew and his lawyers know why he made the decisions he made. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get to our royal roundup. And of course, kick it off with the announcement that Queen Elizabeth is battling COVID-19. On February 20th, the palace released a statement saying that she is experiencing mild cold-like symptoms, but expects to continue light duties at winter over the coming week. She will continue to receive medical attention and follow guidelines. But um, shortly before we started taping this, they did announce that she is canceling um, all virtual events. Yeah, I think that, you know, they have really reiterated that her symptoms are mild. Mm -hmm. Um, This comes after a breakout of COVID in Windsor Castle, and they would have had the utmost care. But, you know, the virus is so catching, it's so rampant that, you know, even the queen who we're protecting at all costs has caught it. Um, But I think it must be so difficult for her to have to cancel these events, to take a step back from her workload. She's so committed to continuing with her work. Yeah. No, definitely. She really is. And it's scary. I mean, you have to remember she's 95 years old and getting this virus is it's no joke. And hopefully, you know, they did say her symptoms are mild. She's fully vaccinated. So hopefully this will be a mild bout of COVID. But still, you know, they have to take all the proper precautions and it's good that she rests, um, you know, because I had COVID and it knocked me out and I was fully (laughs) vaccinated, too. So, I mean, you never know how it's going to hit you. Right, right. Definitely. I mean, you know that she has the best medical care. I mean, Mm -hmm. that one could hope for. Right. Um, so I do hope that she feels better soon, um, that she takes the time to rest because she's such a she's such a workhorse. She really no. doesn't want to slow down. No, definitely. And I mean, she uh, is continuing those light duties. She did send a message, um, a celebratory message to Great Britain's curling team following their success at the Olympics. She wrote, I know that your local communities and people throughout the United Kingdom will join me in sending our good wishes to you, your coaches and the friends and family who have supported you in great success. Do you know I feel like the queen is a big, um, you know, champion of the Olympics. She, she did the same thing um, over the summer Olympics. She sent a, a message. So I'm sure all the athletes, it's pretty cool for them to, to get a message from the queen. Definitely. She's so, you know, obviously she's so supportive of, of her country in general, but especially the Olympic teams that represent Great Britain and the Paralympic teams that represent Great Britain. She always sends a congratulatory message. Just much, must make that win extra special. Oh, totally. Definitely. And then prior to uh, the Queen getting COVID, she did meet with incoming Defense Services Secretary Major General Eldon Millar at Windsor Castle. So take a look at this. I'm here. I thought... You did. I thought you, my mind was stayed in the Good morning. Good morning, Your Majesty. How are you? Well, as you can see, I can't move. Oh, well, many congratulations on the start of your uh, Jubilee year. Good morning. 
Oh, thank you very much indeed. You know, she's always making a little bit of a joke. She was like, I really can't move that much and come, come greet me. So, she, you know, she was um, she was looking good at the time. But, you know, uh, you know, a couple of days later, they did announce that that's when she got uh, or at least tested positive for COVID. Definitely. I mean, she looked so cheerful. It was so mm-hmm. nice to see her out and about. It almost felt like a normal event for her. Um, but yeah, hopefully she's feeling, you know, they did say her symptoms are mild and she right. was still working. So I do hope that it's a very mild situation for Definitely. her. Definitely. We hope for a speedy, a speedy, speedy recovery. But now there's another kind of scandal in the wind uh, around uh, the royal family. So the Metropolitan Police announced that they were launching an investigation and made claims that Prince Charles's charity was involved in a cash for honor scheme and the authorities noted that there were allegations that donations to the prince's foundation secured official honors and british citizenship for a saudi businessman now according to scotland yard the foundation provided authorities with the requested relevant paperwork it was then determined that a formal investigation was needed so prince charles did say he really had nothing to do with this he wasn't aware but still not a good look when your name is attached to this foundation yeah definitely and you know it really from the public's point of view it comes down to perception the media is kind of reporting it as if prince charles and even prince harry were involved right. in this scandal even though prince charles is saying he wasn't you know the the his offices are saying they can't comment but are really indicating mm-hmm. that he had no idea right. but from the public perception you know the royal family has just faced so much scandal in the last what year, two years mm-hmm. that it's just not a good look. It's not a good look. And then so Prince Harry's name is kind of involved in this as well. Right. Right. Really loosely. It looks like he was somehow maybe connected to this situation. And it's a little bit um, even for me, I'm a little bit confused right. as to how who's connected, who and who knew what. Um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. Right. Yeah. No, it is definitely a confusing situation. That is why we're handing it over to the Metropolitan Police to figure <laughs> that one out. And we will not be. But as this develops, we, of course, will be talking about it. But yeah, like you said, whether or not he knew about it, we don't know. But still, his name is attached to this foundation and um, we'll see how it plays out. So. We'll say. All right. Well, Prince Harry is addressing again his fears about bringing his and Meghan Markle's two kids to London. He uh, his attorney, uh, Shahid Fatima, told London courts on Friday, February 18th, that the former military military pilot does not feel safe traveling to his home country with Archie and Lilibet. Harry was not present at the Royal Courts of Justice preliminary hearing, which addresses his desires to have his family's taxpayer funded police protection reinstated. Now, at the hearing, his lawyer did state this claim is about the fact that the claimant does not feel safe when he is in the UK, given the security arrangements that were applied to him in June 2021 and will continue to be applied to him if he decides to come back. And of course, it should go without saying that he wants to come back to see family and friends and to continue to support the charities that are so close to his heart. Most of all, this is and always will be his home. You know, you do, you, you know, you feel bad. You want him to be able to come back to have that protection, to feel safe when he's returning home. But it just does not seem like that is going to, to happen. It's very interesting because it sounds like the Metropolitan Police were willing to provide him protection if he was coming back for an official reason. Yeah. So within his capacity is, you know. A, a member of the royal family, if not a working member, but it wasn't clear if that then um, extended to his wife and his children. So it's 
the thing is, is that so much of this is confidential. So much of this issue is, you know, we're not getting the full story, but it just sounds really terrible that Harry just can't come home and, and visit his family. Right. Yeah, it, it really is sad. And you wonder, like we said, we don't really know the ins and outs and everything. You wonder why the royal family doesn't step up and give him that protection that he needs. But I guess, you know, when we when we spoke to um, the uh, security officer not too long ago, he said, you know, when he gets that private um, protection. It doesn't have the same power as the Metropolitan Police. So it really is a scary, it's a scary situation. And I totally understand where he's coming from. Like you don't want to put your life, your family's life at risk to come home. But obviously he wants to see his family. He probably wants to be back there for the Jubilee. We don't know if he's going to be back there for in April for Prince Philip's memorial service. So there's a lot of um, moving parts and they're not going to go there unless they feel safe. Definitely. And you, again, like I can't blame him for wanting to keep his family safe and doing what he mm-hmm. feels is safest for his wife and his children for himself. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there's so many, there's so many unanswered questions or so mm-hmm. many confusing aspects to this where Harry says one thing and the police say another. I feel like we don't have the whole story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. All right. Well, moving on to a happier story. Um, Last month, William and Kate went to church on the street and met with an 11 year old uh, boy named Deacon who is grieving uh, the death of his mother. He and William shared a really sweet moment together um, about, you know, losing their mothers. And so during that meeting, Deacon wore a Nick Pope soccer jersey. So at one point during the meeting, William asked if he would like to meet him. Of course, uh, Deacon said yes. And this week, William kept his word and Deacon met with the goalie before Burnley match against Liverpool. Such a such a sweet full circle moment. Oh, it was so sweet. It really shows you how impactful, you know, how much of a difference they can make in the lives of the people that they meet. This mm-hmm. little boy is never going to forget this and it won't fix the trauma that he's been through, but it will create happy memories. Um you know, in, in, in his life. And I just thought that, Oh, I was emotional seeing yeah. the photo of the little boy just looked so happy. He's so happy. And, um, the soccer player presented Deacon with his goalie gloves and a Jersey signed with the words, never give up. So definitely a really sweet moment that, uh, Prince William was able to put together for him. Definitely. Oh, Love it was it. so It was. All right. Well, now it is time to spill the royalty. And Us Weekly is reporting that Prince Charles and Prince William plan to guide each other on their paths to the British throne. The father-son duo will be working very closely together as they each get ready for their future responsibilities. William and Charles have made the big decision of making and creating a slimmed-down monarchy, a source does tell us. And they say that the way William and Charles see it, less people means less drama. So I feel like we've um, had reporting for a while that William and Charles wanted, or at least Charles wanted to slim down the monarchy. So it seems like maybe that's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I I think it's definitely, you know, we're in such a new historical time, especially when Prince Charles does ascend to the throne in that, you know, it's been literally 70 years since we've had to reassess what the monarchy looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's fair that it's Charles and his children. Unfortunately, Harry is no longer representing the royal family. So it's really just Charles and William and his three children. So Mm -hmm. Slimming down the monarchy really just seems like a natural evolution as, you know, these historical changes take place. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And we see them working closely together They're You know, they go to events together and it seems like William and Charles are kind of, you know, learning together as they prepare for the future. Definitely. I think that they're, you know, really um, stepping into their roles uh, before they take on those official titles. They're really stepping up the workload that they do. And it's so great when they're 
um, when their interests and their um, charity work crosses over and we can see them out together, especially when we saw, you know, Charles, Camilla and Kate out together a few weeks ago, we really saw how impactful they'll be as a team. Definitely. Definitely. Now it is time to break down the Royal rules and to help us do that is Royal expert and writer of brothers and wives, Christopher Anderson. We're going to talk all about how the queen's COVID battle will affect the Royal family and all the latest in Harry's security drama. Take a look. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's always, it's always so great to get your perspective. And obviously, we have some big news this week about the Queen um, right. Buckingham Palace announcing that she is suffering from COVID-19. She is doing light duties, not doing any virtual engagements. Right. So, I mean, what does that what does that mean right now? Well, I mean, you know, she's 90, going to be 96 on April 21. And uh, obviously, there's always a concern, you know, given her age. But, you know, she has been triple vaccinated, as they like to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, doctors feel that as long as she's experiencing mild symptoms, it's okay. Apparently, she's going to be doing, uh, still has her weekly meeting with Boris Johnson, the prime minister, on her schedule for later this week. If her symptoms get worse, then she'll probably cancel that. But I think right now she's doing, you know, some of this kind of cursory uh, remote stuff, appointments that still do. I have to say, you know, the recent photographs show that she is uh, looking her age, you know, she's starting to look a little on the frail side. And I think we're now seeing this real serious move toward a transition and uh, uh, the, the bombshell announcement uh, about her backing Camilla as queen mm-hmm. recently. Um, you know, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> oh, well, then we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, go ahead, Christine, sorry. I was, why do you think that they are, you know, they do seem to be quite secretive about her health, even though we can all see that's clearly something, um, you know, she's clearly uh, um, looking her age. So yeah. why is there all this secrecy surrounding her health? Well, I think they're always reluctant to admit that they, that they contracted COVID. I mean, obviously, you know, Charles, this is the second go around. Uh, and of course, all of them, have, you know, basically had at least one, uh, at least Charles has, William has, uh, they kept, William kept his uh, COVID diagnosis secret for a year. Mm-hmm. So it's something with the royal family that they don't, they don't really like to talk about. But when the queen is involved, they realize, given her age, they don't want to, you know, stoke panic or they don't want people to feel she's a death's door and we're hiding it from them. So I think it's, a, it's just a tactical or move to, you know, reassure people that, yes, like a lot of other people, she's experiencing very minor symptoms. Mm-hmm. But let's hope that stay minor. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you tend to forget she's still doing, you know, so many royal duties and she is, she's going to be 96 years old. The fact that she's still doing all this is absolutely incredible. But although she said recently uh, that she can't move, she told her doctors that she can't move around as much as Mm -hmm. she is. Once again, if you know very many 96 year olds, they may have a little trouble getting around. (laughs) Uh, And I I think also a Prince Philip's uh, death, Mm-hmm. Uh, in April, really just kind of uh, was a major blow to her, you know, and I think she still uh, kind of manifests itself sort of physically. It doesn't have him to kind of lean on emotionally. Right. No, definitely. I mean, if she is too sick or in- incapacitated, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like who kind of steps up to help her out? Like, where does that kind of fall in line? Obviously, Charles is next, but like, how does that kind of work? Well, there is a, um, you know, a big difference between incapacitated and, and, and sick. I mean, right. in other words, temporarily, uh, people like like Charles and, and Edward and Anne can step in uh, to and William and Kate mm-hmm. to take over some of the, the duties. But uh, she would still be queen and still do the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if she were incapacitated and couldn't do the job, 
the Regency Act of 1937 takes place. And what's interesting about that is that that was uh, passed into law because uh, George VI became king on the uh, abdication of his brother, the future Duke of Windsor, and, uh, and his daughter, Elizabeth, was only 10. So if something happened to George VI she, and she became queen at the age of 10, it would, you know, she would be a regent of somebody to actually, you know, help her make the, you know, to make the decision. Mm. What's ironic is that if something happened to Charles, technically, um, and I don't think anybody's really focused on this, um, the, the people who could also step in as, as regent would be um, William, uh, Harry, and Andrew, because they are the, survive, the adults in, in line of succession. Right. Um, but anyway, obviously, it would be Charles. Yeah. And, and, and we haven't had a, we haven't had a regency since, uh, uh, you know, Mad King George III's uh, son took over for him. And that was the regency period in, in the uh, 19th century. Really interesting. Oh, interesting. So is that really the only capacity where we might see Harry coming back to help is if there was sort of a regency situation? I think he, uh, you know, he's, he's out of the picture now. I, he can't even get royal protection anymore. Mm-hmm. Of course, he supports right now fighting for that. Um, and he's been criticized for because, you know, Charles has uh, quietly invited him uh, to come to, to London and stay when he comes to London with his family to stay at Clarence House. That way he would be, you know, uh, protected by the people who protected Charles. But the way it works now, as you well know, uh, the only people who really get full time protection are the heirs to the throne and the queen. So it's William uh, and um, uh uh, and Charles and that's and the queen and that's it. Uh, the other royals get uh, protection when they're on, you know, royal assignments doing their their job. And Harry has declined. He's backed out. And so he's the home office. Uh, it says he doesn't he's not entitled to protection. And so Harry is stewing uh, to overturn that decision. I think he was really spooked in uh, when he went to unveil the uh, statue of Diana. Um, last uh, year. I mean, he just uh, was apparently pursued through the streets by paparazzi. It reminded him, you know, he has PTSD symptoms from his earlier uh, encounters with the press and his mother's death. And, and uh, it was just, I think it just triggered him. So he does not want to go back to England without his family getting the full protection from uh, the Royal Protection Services of Scotland Yard. Right. I mean, do you think it's fair? Do you think that he should get this protection? Uh, I, I mean, it's kind of hard. You know, you feel for him on one case, but you understand the rules and the other, but you want him to see his family again. I would think, you know, as Americans, we would just bend the rule. Right. <laughs> you know, of course, <laughs> just do it, you know, and, and uh, let him come back. But uh, I, I think there's also an element here of, of, you know, those are the rules and uh, and of punishment. I don't I don't think they're happy that he's taken you know, I think they, you, you made your bed and now you have to lie. And that's the, uh, the attitude of the people who run the monarchy. So do you think when do you think we'll see him again? I mean, might we see him for Prince Philip's memorial service? Or do you think unless this is hammered out, we probably won't see them back in the UK for a long time? Well, you know, the memorial service is going to be another problem because it's on March 29th uh, at, at the Westminster Abbey. It's uh, a Thanksgiving service, if you will. And it's, uh, you know, he can't really, I don't see him going because it would undermine his case that, you know, this is still a threat to his safety and the safety of his family. Uh, however, that will only deepen, you know, the wound, widen the, 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 the chasm between him and his family. So um, I think he's, uh, it's a dilemma. And then, of course, the bigger dilemma is what happens with the Jubilee. I think he has to go to the Jubilee with the family right. uh, celebrations in early June. So this has to be hammered up by then. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know, because you said, you know, Prince Charles did 
invite him to come quietly stay with him. If he traveled to these events with Prince Charles, with Prince William, he would still get that protection protection because almost by association. Right. So why wouldn't that why wouldn't he do something like that? Well, I know. I know. So so everybody is kind of like, uh, you know, uh, drawing a line in the sand. I think a lot of pride is involved, frankly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just I, th- I think it, in essence, if if he does get royal protection, it will kind of be an acknowledgement by the crown, too, that he still a working member of the family. So it's an interesting uh, PR game as much as anything else. Uh, Christopher, how are things going? Our new book. Or I think the last time we spoke that you were you're busy writing. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's along the same lines, as it were. Um, yeah, but it's uh, yeah, they, they they provide a lot of material, and I do have <laughs> going in the new book. Very nice, very nice. I'm, I know. People- I'm, I'm sorry, don't interrupt. I am updating this one as well, brothers and wives. So very shortly, so that'll be and the paperback will be coming out uh, in June, I believe. So very. Uh, yeah, new stuff always. New stuff always. And of course, we will be chatting with you once it um, all happens. Well, if you haven't picked up Christopher's book, Brothers and Wives, all about Prince William, Duchess Kate, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, make sure you get your hands on it. It is a juicy, juicy read. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lots of good stories coming out of there. Definitely. All right. Before we wrap up, let's check in on our royal kids. And we are getting word on how William and Kate discipline their kids by using the chat sofa method. I didn't really know about this. I don't know if this is like a, a, a UK thing. So tell me all about it, Christine. I don't, I don't, it really sounds like a gentle parenting technique, yeah. which is a huge buzzword in, in, in um, parenting these mm-hmm. days. And it really just means that there's no, you know, there's no timeout, there's no naughty step or anything like that. They go to the sofa and maybe there's a specific sofa or maybe it's just, you know, anywhere that they can sit and talk about it together. And um, if one of the children has done something wrong or acted out, they go to the chat sofa, they talk about it. What could we do differently? What would be a safe choice? Um, And then, you know, it becomes a teachable moment. So I thought this was great. Kate is so passionate about early childhood. She seems to be a huge supporter of gentle parenting. Um, But I remember when she um, was doing a Q and a and someone asked about how she handles tantrums in her house. And she said, I wish I knew. Um, (laughs) I think that this is, you know, an example of how they would handle those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always it's always a battle. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's sometimes nice to just sit them down and see if they can kind of express their feelings because, you know, that's right. what they're trying to do in those tantrums. I know it's so hard <laughs> at that age. But, yeah, it's it's nice to see them to hear about them doing yeah. these things when it raises awareness for different different, you know, child parenting techniques exactly we all we all need all the help we can get right all the it takes the village or a whole you know a whole world <laughs> exactly exactly well christine thank you for running down all things royals with me as always yep. thank you so much this was a fun week it definitely was lots of news and we'd love to hear what you guys had to say about it so please comment please subscribe and we will see you guys next week bye